Hello and welcome to Northeast Christian Church online service. We are so happy to have you with us. Please be sure to follow NECC on all social media platforms. And to listen to all our past messages, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the service. Thank you. The, the unsung hero, heroes of media, it might look thin down here, but the reason it is is because there's about 75 people up in that booth making everything happen online for those of you watching and everything behind the scenes. And um, That was sign language. That was pretty good. Uh, am, I, am I? Test. There we are. <laughs> Um, don't go anywhere with that microphone, actually. Thomas, are you here in the house, in the room? There you are. Come on up, if you would. And uh, we are uh, going to say goodbye to Thomas this morning because he is leaving to pastor a church in New Jersey. Right? And uh, so... So first of all, we just want to say, I just want to say thank you. He, Thomas said to me just the other day, he said, Pastor Paul, I want to be the example of somebody transitioning well from, uh, from Northeast Christian Church. And it's just been really, really good. At first when he gave me the news, I was mad at him. And then I was trying to figure out how we could make him do some kind of other position to keep him happy. And then you come to realize what all lead pastors, I think, realize is, is the reason that we bring leaders in is to launch them to what God has for them. And so we're, we're really, I, I, I know there's moments where leaders can go, you know, Thomas, we've trained you well. You're going to do good because of what we put in you. But really, actually, we've been blessed because of what God put in him. Right? And we want to acknowledge that. And I just want to say thank you. He, he's, a, he's a workaholic, he's a serveaholic, he's a prayeraholic, he's a praiseaholic, and um, has done far more than any of you have ever known, but are about to find out as we begin to do things that he used to do. So, but two things. One, I wanted to give you, a, this is a very small check in comparison to anything you did, but we just want to bless you as you go to help with transition expenses and that kind of stuff. He... He's already set and will flip seamlessly into his, in a matter of a couple of weeks into his um, new position, his new paycheck, his new insurance, and all of that's there. But I thought it would be fitting that we pray that God would go with him in a very powerful, wonderful way. And I, I don't know if any of the elders are here. I don't know if there are any uh, elders, if you are, if you'd just make your way up. Thank you so much. I see three moving, four moving. And uh, what we want to do is pray for him, that God's blessing would go with him. This has been such a great journey, and this is, this is a great release. He's going to do there what we do here. And if his church grows beyond ours in a short period of time, I'm going to be very bitter. <laughs> but it's the kingdom. We're not in competition. If we're taking people's measurements and temperatures and lining our life up against somebody else or some, our, our way of doing things or our teachings and songs and all that against somebody else, we've missed the whole point. 
of where everything is supposed to go, and it's up to him and out to them. And so, Thomas, I just, I have no doubt that God is going to significantly do great things through you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask if Pastor Dylan would, would pray God's blessing on this young man as he takes uh, the next step. Lord, you said to the young pastor Timothy through Paul, let no one despise you because of your youth, but instead set an example in speech, in conduct, in life, in love, in godliness, and in speech. Lord, I pray that you would help Thomas in every way to do what he already knows how to do. And God, I pray that you would help him, that you would hold up, give him a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Thank you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would give him the Holy Spirit above all, the guide, the comforter, the advocate, the one who stands between and lifts up. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would go before him and behind him. And most of all, I pray that the Spirit wouldn't just be with him, but that the Spirit would be within him. Yes, Lord. And God, I pray that you would do your work through him. I pray for his family. I pray for Vanessa, for Levi, for TJ. God, I pray that you would bless them and keep them. I pray you'd make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, I pray that you'd lift your countenance up to them and give them peace. Lord, I pray that you protect his family as they go into a new place. I pray you'd give them friendships. I pray that you'd give them help. I pray that you would give them provision. And Lord, we just ask that you would bless their future. And like one of your servants said, God, I pray that there would be better things ahead than anything they've left behind. God, I thank you for their ministry here, and I pray that you would multiply it like fishes and loaves, and that you would feed the many because of the faithful work Thomas did to the very end. I pray you'd bless him, Lord, in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. Hold one sec, guys. Hold one sec. Thank you all for coming to my Pampered Chef meeting. I have an arrange of pots. No. <laughs> um, three years to the month uh, that uh, I've been able to be privileged to work in a variety of places. I've, I've been on the stage leading worship with you guys. You guys have entrusted me with your children. Uh, Pastor, you entrusted me with media and sound. Uh, I was terrified in all of it, but God proved faithful. And uh, I thank you guys so much because uh, when we first got here, when Vanessa and I first got here, uh, Levi wasn't even born. Uh, and the family that we have cultivated in this community has been wonderful. Uh, and if you guys are ever in New York or in New Jersey, please look us up. Uh, we always have a room that is available, and we love to be able to fellowship with you guys. And commend all of you for shaping us. Uh, I've said it many a time, I'm just a 12-year-old who stacks chairs. I just got to do it professionally for a little bit. And uh, thank you guys for allowing me to stack chairs for you for these amount of years. And I pray that the Lord raise up more people uh, that have a servant's heart that can be able to do things in the back more than they can be able to do it in the front. And I pray God's blessing and growth on each and every one of you. Thank you. Amen. 
Um, yeah, he's going to be missed. Um, I love the idea of the kingdom. By the way, um, he's going back home. Like me, his family is originally from New York City, so we really don't recognize trees unless there's like metal bars and fence around them to protect him from cars. But uh, he's actually really excited to go back in that direction. Uh, secondly, I need to make a corrective announcement. Pastor Dylan, I'm extremely bitter over the fact that you put up your Christmas stuff. You've determined what I'm going to be doing this afternoon now. <laughs> and all the guys said, Ugh. So, yeah, newlyweds. Newlyweds. <laughs> Yesterday, or uh, Friday, on my day off, I sick and twisted like this, but I was at what's called the Azores Conference. It's the uh, Association of Overseas Research. It's a gathering actually specifically to scholars, archaeologists, and, and uh, as I was there, there was a group that has genuinely found the city of Bethsaida. But so many things in archaeology really have to get funded. You have an archaeologist, but nobody pays him. So he has to go out and he has to ask somebody, hey, will you give the money to do this? And so there are many cities where they're like, we found it, we found Bethsaida. And so this whole uh, two-hour session was a group of three people presenting that this new discovery is the, the city where G Peter, James, John, and Andrew were from. And the other one was holding to the old idea. And the old idea was basically somebody that found a city near the shore, said it's Bethsaida, and people started throwing money at the research and did it. But uh, they've genuinely found it, which for me is exciting. For all of you, you're like, will you just get to the message, please, right? <laughs> I'd say to any of my uh, former colleagues at North Point uh, or anyone watching online, uh, you can be a member of that. It's AOSR.org, and uh, they usually meet elsewhere in the world, but these people that were presenting were my friends, and uh, I've traveled the land with one of them, who the archaeologist in particular, and it was just it was really great. It's really great. Uh, last week was really great for me because of a prayer request somebody gave me. I won't say who it is, uh, but I know they wouldn't mind me saying what they shared for the purpose of how God would use it. And the, the gist was this, is that sometimes uh, this isn't in, in a... How many of you ever have negative thoughts? Raise your hand, please. Okay, I want to see. How many of you never have negative thoughts? Raise your hands, please. Okay, all right. That's probably more fitting. But they said, I'm so overwhelmed with my negative thoughts that I just can't hear God's goodness. And as a pastor, this is where you want to pray and say, Lord, I pray that you would just silence the voice of the enemy. God sometimes does miracles, but usually he just uses people. That's what I find. And all of a sudden I started praying this. So Lord, I pray that you would raise their voice of praise and worship that when the mind or the enemy comes in to discourage, that they would drown it out with praise and glory to you. I've had so many times in my life where sometimes there's a direct connect to a definite situation where I've been just overwhelmed and hurt and confused and blatantly wronged 
or you know, rejected or judged or you know, what, whatever it might be. And it, these are all human feelings that happen to every single one of us. And, and all of a sudden your mind can run with that. And in psychology they call it a thing called rumination where you keep repeating a scenario that already happened and I wish I said this. Or you imagine you said that and how it would have went. Or you can't believe that they said that and you wish that the words went out of you, but they're in you and they're poisoning you. And, and you, you, you just think back how, how I, I could have just, and I realize probably most of us in this room waste so much of our life with two little words, whether we say them or not, just if only. If only they didn't say this. If only they did that. If only these things happened. If only Sandy, I'm going to give you some updates in the church here with the if onlys. If only Sandy didn't get a compression fracture, Sandy Adamson, and have to have surgery because if she didn't, she would be too weak and wouldn't survive not having surgery. If only, if only one of our long-standing church members didn't get diagnosed with stage four cancer and is in a battle for chemotherapy, and some of you know who that is, and, and uh, some of you will come to know who that is when that person's ready to share. Mike, if only your grandmother didn't pass away just a couple of days ago. If only. And we're haunted by our own failures. What if I did this with my life? If only that person didn't hold me back. What if, and we go back and we go forth and we live a fantasy world of torture in our own mind and Satan just so willingly hooks into those latches and just like a puppet just gets us to do a dance of confusion and discouragement and depression and it'll never be different. I'll never get free. She'll always be the same. He'll never understand me. I guess I should just give up. And then hell's right there, right? There's not only the thoughts that we're doing, but then the devil's right there saying, yeah, if only you gave up. Oh, if only that happened. What if this happened? That should have happened. They should have done this. Am I alone in these thoughts? How many of you never think these thoughts? Raise your hand. All right, there you go. And I came back to that statement that I felt like God dropped in my heart and felt it was too important to just keep to that moment. It's that no miracle's coming your way. It's not going to happen the way you hope it does. It isn't going to change. The person that said those things is not going to come back and apologize. The problem that showed up may not go away. The way it used to be will never be that way ever again. And guess what? You can either sit there and let those thoughts and those problems and those situations rule your life, or you can learn to worship God above the noise of this world. 
That's really what we're talking about, is how do we broadcast bolder in a way that doesn't allow the circumstances of this life to rule and reign in our life? The truth of the matter is, is that most of us in this room are our own worst enemy. Most of us in this room, when it comes to discouragement and difficulty, we're the, we're the key catalytic source of our problem. Most of us here are the villain of our story than the hero. And the things we do to ourselves. I, I just, I remember, I remember being in this place in my life where things were so out of control and uh, it was really like my wife at one point came up and said, I really feel like this is a Joseph situation. It really was. It was like just getting thrown in a pit, getting sold into slavery, getting thrown into jail, falsely accused, you know, all these kind of moments happening. And I remember sitting in the middle of this season, and maybe you could relate to this, or maybe it's a guy thing, I don't know. But I'm saying, I just want peace in my life. I just want peace in my life. God, I can't take this. And, and all I, my heart was beating and racing so hard, and I was in the presence of a person that was a core source of the problem, and I just kept praying over and over again, God, please stay my feet in this valley. Don't let my foot slip. God, I, I don't have the strength. Please help me. I mean, like, you could have just... I could have turned it in, it wasn't a suicidal moment, but I could have turned it into a 911 call because that's really what it was to heaven. I was like, oh God, I don't know if I'm gonna make this if you don't help me. And I think the reason it's so quiet in this room is, is because every single one of us has been in that place. So what do you do? How do you find your way out of a difficult situation? How do you go from living your life to saying, what if only this didn't or did happen, did or didn't get said, to but God? And I believe that that is through praise and worship. And so this is really a, an overdone topic if you search it online, but it's not something necessarily that you do. But I want to talk with you about the words of worship, and more importantly, at different points in this message, I want us to engage them. If uh, you go to the church that I grew up in, worship is this. And then it's, it's a matter of um, 45 minutes to the second of aerobics. You kneel, you sit, and you stand. You kneel, you sit, you stand. You kneel, you sit, you stand. And then you walk out, and then you go, <laughs> and you're gone 45 minutes. It's like a car, gone in 60 seconds. And uh, I, I, there are many, many, many godly Catholic people that are not wrapped up in the idolatry of of the things that are the snares there. And don't kid yourself, the Pentecostal charismatic movement has plenty of our own little quirks where we're going to get to heaven and God's going to say, yeah, you had that 
a little bit wrong or you judged them a little bit hard on those kind of things. We're, we're not perfect with those things. But, but when I say the word I love you, it has different meaning. Am I able to walk down a uh, sound crew? I'm good? I can talk into the mic when I walk out into the crowd? Okay, all right. I just don't want to create problems for them, right? But if I, if I go up to... I go up, you know, to somebody and I say, man, Dylan, I love you so much, bro. You know, or I go up to Sarah and I say, oh my goodness, I don't know if the secret's out. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> man, I love you guys, right? And then I go up to Kevin and I go, yo, Kevin, I love you. Love you too. <laughs> and I go, honey, I love you. Right? <laughs> you don't understand, I used to embarrass her in front of uh, 500 children where I'd go, this is my wife, my favorite wife, my only wife, and I said, I think I need to kiss her, and I get everybody to go like this, go kiss, kiss, say it with me, kiss, 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 kiss. No, I'm not gonna do that to her here. Never again. <laughs> Honey. I love you. Even though you made me work all day outside Saturday. <laughs> and she is going to make me decorate the Christmas tree, Dylan. Now, why would I do that? Simplistic thing, and very scholarly. I just have one word for love, right? I love my dog, I do. I love my kids. Sometimes I love my dog more than my kids. <laughs> but just like the word love in Greek, the word praise or worship in Hebrew has a lot of different meanings. And so what I want to do is share with those, with the human moments that I just talked about. Because some of you need a new song in your heart. You need to learn how to sing your way out praise your way out because you're waiting for a solution to your problem that's never coming. And God says, if you took your eyes off of the situation and you put them on me, that's what will change the situation. If you took it off of the what ifs and then begin to say, my God can, it would change you to be able to go through the situations that you're in. And some of you have been in some very, very painful things in this congregation. I won't even just rattle off. But, but some of you have experienced things so traumatic, it, they still affect you to this day, and so trivial, but they're so loud that you've lost the ability to move on in your life. And you're stuck, and you don't realize that God's saying it's time to march in praise. So, I'm not going to portray myself as a Hebrew scholar because there are a couple in the crowd and they are welcome to help me with this, but I've put together this professional worship video for you to take a look at here to help us line up as we step into this topic. Ha 
Has your worship become boring and uninspired? Doesn't feel as fresh and exciting as it used to, does it? And you know it's good for you, but you wish it weren't so bland, right? Well, cheer up, kiddo. I've got great news. Holy Bunches of Worship cereal is the answer to all your worship woes. Holy Bunches of Worship is quick, guaranteed to make you feel warm and tingly, and there's no strings attached. You worship when you want, at your convenience. It's worship made easy. Finally, a way to worship that fills you up, but lets you get on with your day. One serving of Holy Bunches of Worship cereal has been scientifically proven to fill your worship quota for the entire day, and in some cases, an entire week. Non-stop worship might have been okay back in biblical days, but that's because they didn't have real jobs. The 21st century woman has a lot on her plate, and she needs to be able to squeeze worship in when and where she can. Everyone loves the deliciously divine taste of Holy Bunches of Worship cereal. Even cranky old Moses couldn't resist these bunches. Just grab a box and start your day the warm and tingly way. Holy Bunches of Worship cereal. Because it is all about you. White people, what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> we are a weird bunch. <laughs> I mean, that's humorous, but it kind of kind of gets to the point of like, who's serving who with worship? Is it this kind of like thing like, oh, it just doesn't taste good. And, and I, now we all have preferences, right? Some of us are praisers, and we just love that. And then some of us are our pausers, and we just, our hands go up, tears go down, we become quieter. I mean, we're different kinds of people, but, but worship was never made to serve us. It was made to serve him. So here's what I'd like to do real quick. I, I just, this is going to be spontaneous. Think about it as aerobics. I want the worship team in every form real quick to just rush your way up to the platform to your instruments. Real quick, Go. Have you not <laughs> He's allowed to do that, Sienna. Don't get mad at him later. I just helped my brother out, that's all. So, here's a fly. If I catch the... Uh, sorry, attention deficit. All right, so here we have, a, here we have the first word here, Zamar. And this, these are just uh, basic. It says Hillel, Hallel and Hillel. If you just ignore that, that was an accident. But um, this literally means to praise God with instruments. It's that simple. So do you know that you can simply praise God just simply by playing and not singing? So here's, here's, what, here's what I like to do is that, that last song that you guys have, that worship one, just literally just one, one, one stanza, one chorus, no voices. Sorry for making you guys run up here for no reason. But, just, but here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to close your eyes, and I'd like you to think about all of your if-onlys and your what-ifs. And I'd love, as they play, for this to be a moment where you take what they're doing and notice that the presence of God is here. I want us just to take this time reflectively to let the instruments do the praise 
with our ears, but your heart to do the praise with your burdens and just lift them up to God. Amen? Let's just take a minute and do that. Thanks to the Lord with the lyre, and make melody to him with the harp and the ten strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Uh, this was more of a, a gentle kind of approach, but have you, any of you play an instrument? Just raise your hand. You ever just sit around and you just start, boom, and you just put your mood through that thing? That, listen, I could sing for for. A professional platform or I could sing for the Lord I could do both but there is a difference between performing and praising God and I, I think that what scripture says clearly is is there's a difference between offering your gift as a trade craft versus offering your gift as a praise craft and uh, this entire group selflessly does this on a regular basis. And I think that there are many of you out there that have potential. I, I just want to welcome one of the newer members to the crew. You've been up here a few times. And she was saying to me, and you're so brave, thank you. She was saying to me before service, she's like, you know what, this is the third time I've been here, second or third time I've been here, and I, I'm not as nervous. But right now you're wicked nervous, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So pastors have a way of doing that with you, but thank you. And uh, you got these girls who are veterans. I would take them over, you know, any hired gun, any time. They're just, they're great. But the musicians are just phenomenal. And uh, she's switching between guitar and violin. He's playing a mean lick of, of, of lead guitar, and we have a bassist, Joan Jett, rocking it out. And, of course, Matt on the drums. But all this, uh, I don't want to get trivial and lose the spiritual aspect of it. But, but. Stacy, yes. For a year. She's been, She's been coming the Thursday night we, for a year to be ready. She, if you didn't hear that, she, this is her second time singing with us. Second? Yep. But she's been what? Practicing on Thursday nights with us for a year. Practicing on Thursday nights for a year. That's uh, commendable. Amazing. 
So while I got these guys up here, right, here goes another one. This is where we get the word hallelujah from, but um, it's also kind of a simpler form of hallel or halal, and it literally means to praise, to boast. How many of you have somebody that you introduced to somebody else and you were just wicked proud of that person? Um, I did this, it was a weird thing, it was an archaeology thing, but I was in, when I was with, in Jerusalem just a few weeks ago, the district paid for our trip. The church didn't pay for our trip, the district paid for our trip. So Southern New England sent Pastor Dylan, myself, Chris, and another uh, videographer. We went through the land and we did that, and I bump into this guy, Stephen Notley, who I'm like, oh my goodness, and he's like, how you doing? He'd never met me before, I just, I was like, this guy, I turn around to Pastor Dylan, I go, this guy's like a rock star. I go, it, it, it's like bumping into Bono from U2 if it was music. It, it, I said, it's like bumping into Madonna. And he goes, well, I wouldn't liken myself to Madonna, but you know. And I go, listen, he's just known for archaeology, history, culture. He's doing this, that, and the other thing. And so by that time, Chris, Jimmy, the other guy, and Pastor Dylan were like, okay, well, we'll see you later. And, and they kind of walk off. But I was so excited to see him because this is like, for the field that, that I'm familiar with, he's like world-renowned for toponyms and all of this kind of stuff that means nothing to you. But think about the, this incredible person that you meet, that you know, and you, you get to introduce them to somebody, and you're like, this person is amazing. This person is incredible. This person, you do this for the first four years of marriage, too, by the way. My wife is awesome. My wife is, and then you do it on the 25th anniversary. You bring that back in, and then you do it in the 50th. But like, it's that excitement of like, oh my gosh, it's a boasting, it's a bragging, it's a, it's a confidence that God is not just who he says he is. He's so much more than what he says he is. The crazy thing is, is if I brought in Tom Brady right now, this room would go nuts. Well, I didn't say in what direction, right? <laughs> I didn't say what direction, but this room would get, like, if he came in and he had his rings and, you know, he had his stuff and he's like, I'm going to be signing autographs and everything like that. Forget the mugs with the stuff in it that you can get there, right? Nobody would be doing that, but you'd be all over like Tom Brady. Oh my gosh, Tom Brady, sign my arm, you know, just sign my car, all this kind of crazy stuff. Why? And we, that, that kind of stuff we can relate with, why can't we see God for the amazing person that he is that's who he is he's 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 God he he doesn't just need to be praised but we should be able to boast about him we should be able to rave about him we should be able to brag about him we should be able to say say things like my God and listen this is where those voices in your head this type of praise is so good because and please don't turn this into a formula I'm just saying like different moods and moments but this kind of praise is the kind of praise where you just talk over the power of your difficulties and your problems and your sickness and your cancer and your discouragement and your depression and your diagnosis and your difficulty and you say none of that matters whether it goes away or not. My God is able to handle the situation. That's, that's praise. And 
I heard a famous worship leader say this once to their worship team. They said, you know, we sit around and we debate, well, is God egotistical because, you know, he wants us to praise him? Well, that's one way you could look at it, right? Or it could be like, well, I feel good when somebody says nice things about me. And, and then you take it to the real spiritual level and you say, well, you know, we need worship more than God. And there's truth to that. But have you ever stopped to think that hell needs to hear your allegiance to him? That there's a third of the angels that were knocked out of heaven and fell in one of the most ugly coup d'etats in all of history? And when the angel falls into the ground the, to Adam and Eve, the word that's used there is not just like simply serpent, it's actually seraphim. It's an angel, a false ministering angel of light. And Satan goes through the universe wanting the one thing he'll never have, all the praise, all the glory, and all of the honor, and he deserves none of it. And you and I deserve none of it. He deserves all of it. He deserves all of it. And there's a gear that has to shift in you with worship. And it's not a feeling. Oh, no way. It's not a feeling. Because the truth is, if you live your life just simply according to the way that you feel, not only is your life going to be miserable, but everybody that has to live with you is going to be miserable. But one of the great mentors in my life, Pastor Tim Schmidt at Calvary Christian Church in Linfield, says this, do and let your feelings catch up with you later. Do and let your feelings catch up with you later. And I believe in this room that God is worthy of our praise, not only of our praise, but of the glory that he's worthy of our brag. He's worthy of it, but every time you do that, it reminds Satan of the very thing he wanted. He wanted to sit on that throne and hear those praises and those accolades. He wanted to receive that worship and that honor. And if he can't get it, he wants to destroy the song in your soul so that you never sing about the God above your problems. You just begin to look at your problems and hope that God does something about them. I got news for you this morning. Your problem's not going to change. Your difficulty's going nowhere. But your praise? That's a weapon. I have no idea what they're going to play. I don't think they have any idea what they're going to play, but I think we need to sing something about God that's bigger than our problem and bigger than us, and we just engage it. See, these three songs that we sing before service, all those things, they're not for you. They never were. They're for him. Let's sing to him. Why don't we stand? And we just sing one song. And I'm so sorry for doing this to you, worship team.
feeling surrounded? And they look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. One more time, sing it. And they look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. And they look like, and they look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Think about, think about what it's saying. This is how I fight my battles. You're in a fight. You're in a fight with yourself. Not just, not just with the enemy, and, and praise is your weapon. And from this word, the word hallelujah comes out of it. The very word hallelujah, but this, this, this beautiful, beautiful song. David says, I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters in the midst of the congregation. That's where we are now. I will praise you. I will praise you. It's not lip syncing. And I know different, different people and personalities and even different cultures, you know, we do the, the different kind of things and, and we, we wanna be true to ourselves and we wanna do that, but, but there's an attitude with this worship. David said, because I love you, your, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you. I will praise you as long as I live. This is what, what David is writing these, this psalm and the psalmist is writing this psalm in the middle of the battle of their life. And you are in the battle of your life. It's a battle for your soul. It's a battle for your mind. It's a battle for your, your contentment versus your depression. This is how we fight. And David even makes a case with God. He says, God, you want to kill me? You want them to kill me? He says this in Isaiah 38, 18. He says, for the grave does not thank you. Death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit uh, do not hope for your faithfulness. Lord, I will praise you. Uh, my corpse won't. Keep me alive so that I can praise you. You're in a fight for your life. You're in a fight with cancer. You're in a fight with a sickness. You know what? You can make the plea that David said and say, but who's going to praise you, God? You gotta be praising him in that. And then David, uh, or in Exodus, the Israelites boast and they say, who is like you, O God, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonder? He is not laying it on thick. He's laying it down as it is. And that's the place that we need to move according to our personality. Don't, don't get me wrong. If you get louder next week, or you get, you know, running around or whatever like that, if you're in the flesh, this, this pastor and this pastoral team's gonna be like, God bless you, please have a seat, you know? But I'm saying if you're in the middle of a battle and you're like, oh God, I don't know what to do or whatever, we are going to get behind you and say, this is how she fights her battles. This is how he fights her battles. This is worship, this is praise. It used to just be like this for me, and. And now it's, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I know what it's like to be surrounded by 10 people wanting to bash my head in with one friend at my back. And he hit the biggest person. And about five of them took a step back. You are not in this fight alone. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. 
and he's worthy of that praise. And hell can listen on all they want, but they're going to miss it. You know, the word hallelujah is used more between Psalm 104 and 150 than anywhere else in the Bible. And it's really taking this word halal or halal and, you know, all kinds, just depends on what, how it's declenched and what the declension is and all that kind of stuff. But, but it's hallelujah. Hallelujah as in Yahweh. And it's literally just saying all of me for you. I'm your biggest fan, Tom Brady. Jesus, I'm your biggest fan. That's literally what it is. Let me give you a couple of more, and then I'm going to just let this worship team take us into a deeper day. You can have a seat. Listen to this. If I, I remember, my, my wife wouldn't mind me sharing this story, it, and everything in her is like, well, let me hear it first, but you won't, you, won't, you won't mind me sharing the story. But when we were at Gordon-Conwell, we didn't realize that everybody was from all these, we, we didn't realize what it meant to be going to an institution of higher learning that was filled with people who had different expressions of faith than we did. And my wife began to talk with one of our friends, Lori, and she said, I can't wait to go to church because I'm going to lift my hands up. And my wife's like, uh, yeah? Like, you don't do that? It's like, nobody does in my church. Like, it almost was like a weird thing, but she was excited because she wanted to lift her hands and worship. Well, guess what? Yoda is actually praising by lifting your hands. You wonder, maybe you come to this church or you're newer to this church or you are just new to church as a whole and, or maybe you came in from a different faith angle and you might wonder, like, why in the world do they like... I totally get the tears and I get them singing the song and I totally trip when I'm not looking all the time too. I get that, you know. But like, why are they lifting their hands? It's because the word for hand, yad, this is right-handed, is yad yamin, yad small, right, left... It's very important when you need directions driving in Israel. But the whole idea of yoda is to lift your hands. Some places will say your arms, but in the ancient world, whenever you lifted, the lifting of hands was actually designed for you to cover your face so that you did not look directly into the face of your God King and that you did not filth the air with your breath and this is what lifting of hands mostly was. When, when Hammurabi is receiving the code from the great god Shamash, he has his hand. And I used to joke with students, I'd be like, next time when we're in the chapel, can we, can we do lifting of holy hands and everyone just go like this? <laughs> so I got a whole section doing this and the whole, the whole crew was like confused, you know, but that's, that's not what Yada means. It means to lift your hands. I don't know technicalities behind it and context determines everything but maybe you need to receive something from God you're ready for it maybe you need your burdens lifted and you're holding up as high as you can and it's like unbroken and you're just like I can't take this anymore and God says I got you maybe it's like a child saying Lord just take me in your arms but actually praise and worship part of that is to lift your hands to God. 
and to give thanks to him. In fact, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 6, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen and Amen. It's part of worship. Instruments are part of worship. In fact, saying thank you to God is a part of worship. Just look at this. Paul said this to Timothy, speaking of lifting of hands. He says, man, I desire that in every place men and women should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. You ever do that? How many of you have your worst fights on the way to church? All right, I thought I was alone on there. The rest of you have a good poker face, but it just happens. It just happens. And then you go to church and you're like, this is fight my battles. <laughs> but lifting your hands, this is why we lift hands. Some of you are kind of like how we were, like, okay, well, what's the big deal with that? And some of you kind of looking at why people are lifting their hands and saying, and she said, I just want to try lifting my hands. For some of us, it's time that we try lifting our hands. You know what? One of the other forms of praise that's used once in a while is todah. In fact, in, in Hebrew, if I were to say thank, to you, thank you to you, that's literally what I would do. I would say todah. If I was really, really happy with you, I'd say todah rabah. And you would reply, everybody say vebakasha. Todah rabah. So you're, you're very welcome. Now, they say that to you when you buy a water from a store, so, you know, I don't know how, but toda. But one of the things that I always notice in a person's life is how they respond to an opportunity for thankfulness. Because the Bible says that there were, there were a group of 10 lepers that had no hope. And Jesus said, you're clean. Go show yourselves to the priests. But later, one comes back, and he's at the feet of Jesus, kneeling. He's still in his rags from leprosy. And he's saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This particular type of praise is dear to my life and my heart, because when I hit some of my more discouraging, difficult moments, I mean, those hits, if you've ever been hit in the stomach where it pushes all the air out of you and you can't, you can't breathe. And it, some reason in those moments, I've made it a habit that this is the type of praise I do. I say, God, I wanna thank you for the life you've given me. Lord, I wanna thank you that instead of my life ending when I was 18, instead of me ever taking my life, I feel like I've stolen a life because you've given me a family and children and a legacy and my parents and I don't deserve what I have, but I just want to say thank you. Thank you. And some of us, when we're trapped in that, what if, if only, so you need to stop, step back and completely change the subject. Say, so this has nothing to do with that anymore. This has everything to do with him. My problems are little. I want to praise you, Lord, and say thank you. Thank you for the life you've given me.
Thank you for the good things that I have. Thank you, Lord, that, that, that you've done this and you've allowed that and you've, you've done so much in my life. I'm so grateful. Gratitude and thanks are missing in the human race. How much more in worship and praise? Because it's not just singing songs that we're doing here. It's not just a part of church. It's the essence of who we are. It's the soul of all praise to God. And in fact, ironically, in Leviticus, all of these words for praise are connected. All of these words for praise are connected to sacrificing to God. But the thank, thanks offering in Leviticus 22, 29 says this, and when you sacrifice a sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, you shall sacrifice it so that you may be accepted. See, I come to realize a couple of things. God doesn't want me to praise him because an egotistical maniac. He wants me to praise him because he's worthy of it. He wants me to praise him because he wants me to get my attention off of my problems and on the, solu- the, the problem solver for my life. Why the sacrifice, God? Why the give? I mean, a bull was like a car. A lamb was like a child. A, a, a pigeon was all a poor person could afford. Why all the sacrifice and all that? Because sacrifice isn't sacrifice unless it's sacrificial. And gratitude is not gratitude unless it has weight to it. And I'm not talking about financial substance here. I'm simply saying to be able to say, God, thank you. And that their weight to the words, God decided that he would add something in there called sacrifice so that it would mean something. Do you know there was even a sacrifice called the guilt offering? Here's how it worked. If I offended Abby Provost, and I knew that I did her wrong, I would first go to her with a pile of money and hand that the damages to her and say, Abby, I wronged you. I'm sorry, please accept this gift. Then I would go to the altar and I would offer up an animal and it would go up into the presence of God, it would feed the priests, it would go up and smoke to the Lord. I believe this one you, did, you didn't eat. And I would walk away. And Jesus in the New Testament refers to this. He says, if you know that your brother has ought against you, leave your gift at the altar. The reason he's saying that is, is because you're doing this in the wrong order. You gotta get it right with that person first. Do you know some of us were hindered in our praise because we want to bypass the horizontal and just rush into the vertical. In fact, we want nothing to do with the horizontal. I learned a very beautiful lesson in a life of praise a long time ago. To say you're sorry doesn't mean that you are 100% responsible for what's wrong. But sometimes it requires you to say, I am sorry. I hurt you. Please forgive me. Sometimes the breakthrough in my life has to do with thankfulness in my life. 
Sometimes we could be trapped because we've lost what it is and who it is that we should be thankful to. I could go on and talk to you about Deborah and Barak, whose name literally means to bless, Barakah, to bless someone. And David said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continue. Blessing God and worship is not just a song. It's a lifestyle and decisions and changes and choices behind the music of your life. What's your life song to God? And last but not least, let me just end with this. This last word here. It's written Shabbat, but sometimes it sounds like Shabbat. It's Psalm 117, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him. It literally means to give honor. But it also has an idea of stillness and calm. David said, or psalmist of Psalm 63 said it like this, because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you, will honor you, my soul will be calm, my heart will be still. Psalm 145 verse 4, one generation shall commend your words to another and declare your mighty acts. And if I could be so bold as to say this i think the problem that every generation has with the previous one is not that they're all messed up and the culture has pulled them away it's that we've messed up and haven't done our part to have influence instead of power over them but if you've had a difficult situation in your life with your kids i'd like to quote Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, to you and say this, even God has problems with his children. Hear that. Even God has problems with his children. You just keep loving. You keep listening. When a person became 18, they were responsible for their own life. No longer was the parent held accountable for what the child did. There'll come a point where you launch your children and how they move towards God or away from God is their responsibility. But this whole idea of praise, of this stillness, this worship, it's one that is like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that he's in a, a place of olives. There's olive trees there. But it's kind of weird because God offers him a cup. And the name of Gethsemane is what's strange. You see, in, in Israel, a gat is this thing where you pour grapes and you step on them to get the juice to flow out. And from that, they make juice, they make wine, they make drink from it. And the reason they do that is because if you press and cracks seeds in grapes, it makes the entire drink bitter. And you never will do crushing grapes in an olive press because olive oil 
which is called smene, right? And it, if you were to put oil on the ground, you'd slip and fall on the rock and break your neck. It's actually a strange thing because basically God's saying that Jesus is in a place called Gethsemane. He's offered a cup from God in a cup that normally is squished with feet to be gentle, not to make it bitter, but instead is in a place of semony. And when you got olive oil out of olives, you crushed them, you pounded them to a pulp. And sometimes in our life, our situations are crushing. They're painful. They're Gethsemane. They're not made to be crushed, but the very crushing process makes it bitter, and then God says, drink this. And this is the only place you see Jesus begging the Father. Oh, he's gone 40 days without food? No problem. He's walking through Samaria, and they're like, he hasn't eaten. He says, I got food that you know nothing about. I need to go through Samaria. It's like saying, I need to go through the worst part in the, in the world, the most difficult area where my life will be threatened. That makes absolutely no sense. But here, God's giving him a bitter cup, and he says, Father, if you can, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will. Your will be done. That's praise. And as we close here, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to just have the worship team give us an invitation. Maybe you're in your Gethsemane. There's a crushing. There's a pressing and it's an, it's an unnatural one. It's bitter. Even in those situations, you can praise God. Make me an offering, make me 
today thank you for who you are we praise you we thank you we worship you we adore you and we brag on you that Lord we just never want it to be about songs we want it to be about you and so father we take praise with us wherever we go I ask that you would go with us and that the theme of our life would be the leper thank you the theme of our life would be like your son Jesus if you can take this cup from me, please take it. Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. Help us to be a church of praise and worship that glorifies you and you alone. And Father, we don't spite what hell will never have. We don't rub in the face of Satan. We just simply do what we were created to do to worship you and to thank you. But Lord, 
as his evil and his work and his kingdom surrounds us, may we learn to lift our hands and be reminded this is how we fight our battles. We give you all the glory and the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And when the voices are louder and they go nowhere, shout your praise louder than them. God bless you as you go your way. I pray that you have a praise-filled week. We love you. It's a great honor being your pastor and look forward to seeing you next week as we talk about Thanksgiving and the next few weeks as we talk about Christmas. Yay. Thank you for watching online. Thank you for being with us today. Be sure to listen to all our messages on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And follow us on ne-cc.org for all information and updates. Thank you. God bless. Have a great day.